welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. The camera was, was closed, uh, <clears throat> but I digress. Good afternoon, everyone. It is 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, sometime in the end of February, but February, March here in the Northern Hemisphere just feel like they're basically the same day over and over and over. It feels like the movie Groundhog's Day. My name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And what that really is, is not just me. It is a community of educators that come together every single week. And, and it's not really just every week, like all, all over the place. Like you, you can, um, you can show up on 1 p.m. on a Sunday and have a conversation with us. You can ask your questions in the live stream. You can show up to the podcast. That is everywhere that you can get podcasts. You can show up to the regular YouTube channel, to the Facebook group. You can follow through through social media. You can um, sign up for our newsletter. We have a new newsletter that goes out every week or every, once a month, um, which is my new one is due this week to Edie so she can doctor it all up and make it beautiful. And then um, that's going out as well. And so that is, uh, if you just go to realrapwithreynolds.com, you can sign it. It's a little floaty thing hanging out there. It says newsletter on it. Click that, and then you're signed up. Um, and so the whole idea here, right, all this stuff, what are we doing it for? We're doing it because we are all trying to be the teachers we were called to be. Um, and so that's important to keep in mind. So th th the idea here today is to answer questions, to help you out, to get you ready, because I'm telling you, like, so one of the things, I'm going to be real transparent. One of the things we noticed was that um, the numbers are lower right now. And I don't really, like, the numbers don't really, don't really drive whether or not I'm going to do something or not. But, like, um, the live feed numbers are lower. But I, my sense is, my intuition is well, that. They're low every time. It, so year. it's seasonal, right? It's, like, it's things are busier in July and in August and in September than they are in, like, right before winter break. Um, but it's trying, man. Being a teacher is really hard right now. No matter if you're in the classroom, out of the classroom, in between both of those worlds, this is a, a difficult time. Um, and we are here, the collective are here to help you not only survive, but to thrive, to figure out a way to win the year. Um, that is what we're really getting after here. So we will talk about anything that you want to talk about, any questions that you have that come up. Um, there are no limits to the to the questions that you can talk about or the types of things that can be asked on here. It is it's completely open. Um, so we will jump into it and then um, can I take it from there. Do, are we? Do you need a moment? Uh, I do. All right. So Mr. James Pete is saying <clears throat> that he does not see the live link. Is it is now today, and we're trying to keep it forever. It will be in the description box below the yep. video. So if you don't see it there, so what that means is the description box, it says Sunday night teacher talk is a live Q and a show gives a description at the end of it gives instructions to do the, to come on live and you should see a HTTP doc Google link lit up blue. There you have oh, it. Oh, he got it. Good. Cool. Okay. So the idea here, I, I should say also is if you want to, um, if you want to ask a question, you can just put it in the chat, right? If you just want to ask a question and you don't want to like come on live, that's fine. 
put it in the chat. Just write the word question next to it or the letter Q. If you want to pop on here, be on here with me, you show up on the side here, and we have this whole conversation, that can happen as well. Um, but you just have to, like, in the description box under this, you'll see the link that's going to take you somewhere that's going to say, hey, fill out this form real quick. Who are you? What, you're, what are you about? It's not very long. It's not meant to be, like, uh, extensive. And then it's going to click you into a link so that you show up on. Uh, so if you can see my screen right now, it is, it's me. And then underneath, there's all these little boxes of the people that are in it's the like waiting the room. Broadcast studio. Yeah. Like you're in the room, green room, right? You're on the, the late night show, the afternoon show. Uh, and <laughs> you are green. in the green room. Um, I always make this joke with my students when I tell them, like, <laughs> when we go to breakout rooms on Zoom, I tell them, like, I'm going to put you in, you know what? I'll put you in, in room four. I'm going to upgrade you. You're in room four. It has a great view in there. You know, you're going to enjoy it in there. And so. I love room four. Yeah. And it just basically, it, it does it. <laughs> okay. You have a question. I'm noticing that. Uh, so we write on our glasses in our house. Because you can write on Wait, with permanent marker. Is that the right day? It says Saturday. No, this is it yesterday's is class. Oh. Thanks for. Uh... Recycling and doing it again. You got it. <laughs> okay, Miss uh, Predisac is asking, "Hi Reynolds, how do you deal with mute students who barely answer to your questions and think that talking to a teacher is not cool?" Thanks. Oh, mute as in the Zoom mute. I'm yes, <laughs> she did put it in quotes. Um, you know, I. It depends, right? It depends on the kid. It depends on how I get to know them. So. I have gotten to know kids this year that like, for sure, there are people that like, just think it's not cool, or they just don't like, they're just not into it, like, whatever, they're just going to do whatever they're going to do. They're kids, right? So I, I chalk it up to your kid. And that's ridiculous. But to you, it's important. I don't know, what am I going to do? If I really, really need something back from a child, and they try and give me something in the chat, and it's like, bro, this is taking, this is taking my whole life. I will put them in a breakout room and then I jump in there with them and I go, yo, you got to unmute yourself because I just can't do this. Now, sometimes kids unmute themselves and I hear a speech impediment. I hear noise in the background. I hear a really crappy microphone. I hear um, the, the they're at work at their mom. at They're with their mom at the uh, daycare where she works and there's madness behind her, right? Like I hear things that put me on to the fact that like, oh, this is why you're not doing this. I'm not saying every kid does this. I know some kids do it just because they want to be, it's like, nah, bro, I don't, I don't talk to the teacher live. Um, but sometimes there are reasons. So I think it's figuring out what students there are reasons for and what students are not. And then telling certain kids like, um, you know, if they send you sometimes someone, so the, the way you, you whittle that down is, by doing private rooms with kids, by affirming what they said in the chat and asking them to say it out loud, because now they know that it was right. Now they know they're not taking a chance. Now they know they're not going to get, you know, you're, you're not going to come on and say something out loud in this weird virtual world and everyone's going to see them and hear them and they look like a fool. It's like, no, oh, this was great. Dude, your story is awesome. This was such a great idea. Can you say this out loud? That alleviates some of that tension, some of that anxiety. But when you just remember, like, also, I, you know, I, I just, I try to side with good instead of, instead of my 
you know, sometimes being a teacher, like you naturally go to the pessimistic side, but it's like, well, what if somebody like, you know, is afraid they're going to get bullied? What if somebody is like, you know, kids are mean. Like, what if they're going to dog them for, for the way that they talk or for their answer or that they said something or, you know, there's all of that too. And it's really hard to build confidence. Um, so when you're younger, so one of the other things I do is just talk to them when we're in a breakout room, when they do come into the main room about regular stuff. Hey man, what are you doing this weekend? Yo, uh, see this on TV. Yo, what are you, what are you watching right now? What are you into? Like, I'm just, I'm just curious. And then getting kids to talk about regular stuff, that's how you get them to talk. And then that's how sometimes you get to hear what's really going on behind them or what their voice sounds like or something like that. Like, um, I have guys that are real shy because their voices are too deep. And their moms have told me, like, yeah, he doesn't like talking out loud because his voice is so deep. And I'm like, you know, and then there's other guys who sound like chipmunks because uh, they're in ninth grade and it hasn't, that's like, that switch hasn't flipped yet. Uh, so it's, that can be weird too for them. So that, that's all. Who's next? Mr. James Pete. James Pete. Let's talk about coming up. A balance. Add to stream. What's up, James Pete? How are you, buddy? Doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm all right today. We're just all right today. That's it. <laughs> Keeping it real. Uh, you know, people see me smile a lot, and that smile hides a lot behind the face. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Some days, some days it is real, and some days I'm like, man, we're working on that smile. It is. <laughs> Have it up there. I read it. I so so to that point, real quick. I was reading a book. Um, they were talking about these monks that um part of their daily practice is making a smiling so you put a half smile so when you meditate i've learned this years ago um have a half smile on your face when you're meditating it totally changes your vibe right and yeah. then um making yourself laugh they were seeing these monks like just laugh for no reason and that works something out in you where it's just kind of so dumb like it's making me laugh now that like you just start laughing and it's this it's this inner work where instead of your mind going to the negative, you're forcing yourself to laugh out loud and how that's part of their practice. And I just thought, how ridiculous, but how 100% my speed, because if it's ridiculous, I'm like, oh, that sounds perfect, man. Um, we do it in class all the time. We'll, we'll be in the class and I'll be like, okay, we need to laugh. So let's all laugh right now. And I'll start laughing in the front of the classroom and the kids are looking at me like I'm insane. And then they yep. just start laughing. But man, yeah, I, I just read something about this too. We'll have to talk sometime about that because I, yeah. I don't. But anyways, um, you know, I was I, I don't know where I saw this, CJ. You posted it somewhere and you were talking about the eight to four schedule. And I think yeah. when you've taught for a long time, I think the time you're working is at play in your head all the time. And I, I, I mentioned balance in, in my question. I, I think um, over the course of my career, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Haven't you found that, you know, like I'm. I'm not like at the end of my parent years, but the end of my kids living with me parent years, I've got a 16 year old and an 18 year old. And, um, you know, while they're always welcome in my house forever and ever rent free, I hope they're not watching. Um, uh, I think that as, as I get to that point where they're going to be kind of moving on and, and, you know, I'm, and Jenna, I'm not saying my wife's not important. So again, if she's watching, I'm going to get, I'm going to get slapped, but you know, um, I think that our, our priorities like ebb and flow as in the amount of time we can spend in a classroom. Like, have you found over the course of your career, there are weeks, months, even years where 
eight to four isn't going to work and you're just going to kind of be okay with that. And I, I, I just, as I, I don't, you know, I, I see eight to four and then in my head, I'm like, I got to do this. And then in my head, I'm like, Ooh, I can't right now. I'm not there right now. Yeah. Um, don't you think kind of over the course of your career, that ebb and that flow is going to happen? Yeah. This is a great question because I think sometimes when I say stuff or I post something, I'm not, I'm not real into hard and fast anything. My life fluctuates a lot right so like just in um the the last few years like there might be something i'm really excited about something that i know there's um there might be nights where i do work until very late because i have grades to do or because i'm helping a kid or because something's going on or because you're playing with a really cool 85 inch television set you know that might be it i'm playing giant Fortnite in the other room so um that's fine to me. I think what it is, is folks, it is this idea that, you know, so my school right now, like, and I think I said this in the post, like, um, my school expects us to do parent emails and communicate with parent students and help them on the weekends, right? Our school expects us to, um, and if necessary, set up parent meetings on the weekends, our school expects us to, uh, keep working into the night. So this week I got, in, I, I got meetings for Super with late. parents for six, six thirty, and seven o'clock, and I'm like, I'm just not doing it. Like I'm just, you know, it is the expectation, and I think, I think from, I think when you, and I'm going to say this generally, when you don't have strong leadership that you can believe in as administration, inner leadership to me is influence, right? And this is not my own thing; it's like stuff I read, but like leadership is influence. If you cannot have a positive influence over your staff, they're not going to show up at 630. I've worked for people that I'd show up at midnight if they were like, look, mom, Go to war for, man. it's midnight. I got you. Like I'm 100% in. I only want success for kids. But in this season, I'm feeling like eight to four is, is healthy for me. I wake up at five in the morning. I put in two and a half hours of work on me. Before I even sit down and have coffee with my, or two hours of work before I even sit down and have coffee with my wife, three hours before I even sit down at my computer and do school stuff. That, you know, the asking more and more and more of teachers just doesn't work out. And then I, the other principle is some people have to work second jobs, man. Like, you know, like they have to go, they're bartending, they're waitressing, they're, you know, hustling on the side, doing something. And I have to prioritize that as well because it, funds my life like I, I can't I can't live like this is this is not a nice to have YouTube it, it's like a damn like this this is my side job um so I do think but like and I'd also say to the other end when I started teaching and people were like don't work so late hours don't I'd come in at six in the morning into the building I wouldn't leave till 6 37 o'clock at night and everybody told me I was gonna burn out everybody told me not to not to do that but I loved it it was like, that's all I wanted to do was be there, right? It's kind of like when you start dating someone new, when you're young, you don't go like, stop hanging out with them so much. You're going to get burnout. No, that's all you want to do. That's all you dream about. It's like, I've worked for so long to get here and now I get to do it. It's like, you know, what else in your life would someone say that to you? Like, hey, I know you like playing guitar, but don't play too much because you're not going to love it anymore. It's like, no, man, it's freaking awesome. Like, and I love it. Yeah, that's so it. I mean, so that's, that's it. That I'm in right now is like, I, the bottom line is this, I have to pour so much into myself so that the rest of the world 
it just experiences the overflow of the love I have for myself. That's yeah. that's where I'm at right now. And I think I think too the part of that the, the expectation piece is a big thing because I think you know on Tuesday I was here till nine o'clock and I was into like replanning restructuring this thing I've been working on for twenty years and have changed and manipulated and and I was really getting into it and I was talking to a parent at nine fifteen who's also a friend of mine and, and she's like go home and I'm like man I'm in my happy place I'm good. Um, but then the next day at 3.35, like I was ready to get out the door. And I, I think that um, the expectation piece is a big deal and and kind of the riding the mood and where you're at. And especially during this COVID year, just, just kind of being able to shut the door when you're ready to shut the door. Because you said, you know, you get up at 5, I get up at 5.40 just to get your mindset. And that's part of the job. That's yeah. part of the job. And I think people just need to start realizing, teachers especially, especially young teachers, need to start realizing that the job doesn't start until four. It starts when we get on our minds, start rolling. And I don't think that people understand, like, the teacher mind. You know, why are we, like, falling asleep in the summer for a week when the school year ends? It's because our minds finally shut off. So, yeah. anyways, just my two cents, man. Find balance. That's key. And start laughing randomly, like, everywhere. I'm telling you. It's it works. It is. Uh, P Patch Adams said, "Being publicly happy is the most revolutionary thing anybody can do." And I yeah, love that. Idea. Totally agree. Totally cool, agree. Good you, bro. I'll talk okay, to you man. Soon. Good talking to you. See you Peace. next week. What you got? Uh, Ab Day is asking a question. He is saying, or they are saying, "Hello." I was wondering what what do you think of getting my K to six education in psychology or the educational foundations of elementary education teachers? Um, I think, so, I, I mean, I think it really depends on what you want to do, right? So I'm a big, I, there's a lot of reasons that you would do anything, right? So like what, some of it is sitting with that. Is it monetary? Is it, uh, like you need to make a certain amount of money or like I have friends that get masters because they just want the pay bump. It's not even about having the masters. Like I, I've, it's actually very rarely when I talk to people, it's because they want that extra, you know, bump in their, in their salary. Um, is it because that's where you're, that is where you feel called to be? Like, that's where you feel like you would be of the most use or it's something you have a real passion for or something you grew up and you saw a lack in that area. For me, um, up until recently, I just thought I would be a teacher for the rest of my life. That's all I wanted to do. And that's what I felt like was given to me. And opportunities for leadership have come by again and again and again and again from, you know, we want to groom you to move up. But it was like, I don't want to move up. I want to stay like, like I like being a soldier. I don't want to be a general or a sergeant or a captain. It's like, I just like being a soldier. and. That to me was what I felt called to do. Now there's a shift in my life. I feel like more of a call to leadership. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation maybe, but like, I think it comes down to what do you um, have a passion for? For me, if I went back for my master's or for a doctorate, it would absolutely be something around child psychology or, or working with special education students. I think that those are two areas that are so often underserved, especially in schools with a lack of funding, um, that I, it's like, I wish I just knew that stuff, or I wish I had the, the title 
to be able to pull some of this stuff off so it doesn't just look like it's not like you know because some stuff it's like the general ed teacher is just not enough um or to sign off on things or to suggest things or to get things moving um that i'd love to have that to be able to really be of of service to to families in my community so um that's what i think it comes down to it's not like a you know because look i mean when folks say, I think about coming an English or history teacher, it's like, look, I mean, to be honest, we're a dime a dozen. Like that's a, there's a million of those. You want to be a science teacher. You want to be uh, a, a math special ed teacher, bro. There's jobs everywhere for you. For us, it's like, you, you have to, it's tough. It's hard out there to get, to, to get a job in those areas. So um, I would let the calling piece drive me as to where I want to go. Um, and what is like, what is your, why is it your family? Is it the money? Is it the passion for the job? What you got? Candace is up next and she's asking, how are the home environments impacting student engagement during synchronous class sessions? Do you have a sense that some don't participate because of their environment? A hundred percent. That Good is, I, I think, I think the home environments, not just, so I've, I've had like many, um, the kid that unmutes and you hear mom screaming in the background, the kid that uh, turns on the video and you see mom like uh, getting a little bit physical with somebody else in the household or, or throwing a temper tantrum or um, the five brothers that are all learning in the same room and they're fighting each other. Like, like it, even if it's wrestling or something, I'm not saying like they're having a full on fist fight, but like um, I've seen the kids that have like the room, like, I've seen the kids that have the rooms that are on point that have like the led lights around the top and the bottom. And we got decals on the wall and posters and like the big TV and it's like a flex. And then I've seen the other dudes that are like, they don't want people to see their room. Like it's not something they're proud of, or they learn in the basement. So I'm not turning my camera on cause I'm in the basement. That is one piece. And the other piece is the impact that it has on students just being in the house, just not being near friends, just not being in a place that they feel safe. Um, or, and, and when I say safe, I don't even mean that mom and dad are like abusive in any way, but it is safe in school gives you a space to really explore and express who you are, what you think and what you're about. And at home, we don't always have that space, right? Like it's, it can be hard, especially if it's crowded. I know right now in our home, it just feels like it's it's loud all the time. Like I, we just had this conversation. No, we this don't morning. feel like it. It is loud. No, it is all the time. I need house. to get up at five in the morning so that I have quiet. Because at six, my wife gets up. Um, and let me paint this picture for you. So the first thing we do in the morning <laughs> is exercise. The first thing my wife does is puts on the Oculus and plays this game called Beat Saber, which is it's good exercise basically for someone who hates my wife jumping around. <laughs> And it looks like you have two lightsabers and you have to like hit all these things and you're dancing and it's jams on. I did, but I just, I, I think it's awesome. That's why I'm sharing it. But it's also like the quiet's gone. It's the bouncing in the house. It's the, it's the movement. It's the just, I keep using the word energy and I don't know what it is, but it's like when someone else is up, you can just, it just shifts things in the house and just makes you more aware or something like that. Like it lessens your quiet. Our house is always loud. And when students are living in that also, and they don't even have a quiet space like your classroom to eat lunch in, your room to chill in after school. Like there, it is it, that sort of feeling. I think is breeding a sense of apathy in students, a sense of breakdown that our kids don't even know that that's what's happening. They know I just feel lazy. 
I'm just tired. I just don't want to do work. I just don't feel like doing this. I just don't want to write complete sentences or put punctuation <laughs> or, or capitalize letters, letters or write the minimum amount or do all the word problems. But I don't know that they're connecting what we're living through to that, that they didn't realize, like many of us, that school is body, mind, and spirit in the way that it really, really is. And I think teachers are going through that too, that they're just like, I'm just tired. And it's like, yeah, because you're sitting. We used to walk all day. I never sat down at school um, unless I was chilling, eating lunch with kids or reading silently with kids. The only time everything else is walking around. I'm hustling. I'm upstairs. I'm goofing around. I'm doing jokes. I'm in the hallway talking to kids and handling stuff. And like, now I just sit in this chair. This is my second office chair this year because I had to upgrade and get the expensive one because like my lower back is killing me. Um, it, so I think that all that's wrapped up into that too. So yeah, I think that's absolutely the way. So I think the bigger question is what do we do about that? And we show up and we care for kids in the ways that we can. Um, the other day on Friday, I sent kids cereal. I just was like, you're doing a great job. You're failing still. You have a 60, um, but you had a three first trimester. And I just love how much you're working now and how much you're trying. What's your favorite cereal? Reese Puffs, slap a, a sticker on that thing with the address and put a, take it to the post office, cost me like 55 cents the mail or whatever. And then I just send cereal to kids. Just one way to, to show an expression of care. Sometimes it's hanging out 30 minutes after class the other day, sat here, right? Talking to kids about all kinds of video games. And I kept muting my camera. My wife goes, do you know what they're talking about? I'm like, I have no idea. I've literally like, we've crossed into a world of like a deep knowing of video games. I have no clue what they're talking about, but I sit there and I listen and I ask questions. And why do you like that? And really tell me more about that. So you can't do this, but you can do this. And you like this weapon more because it does this thing. I don't understand. Break that down for me real quick. It is showing kids an expression of care where you can. And then I think that they will show up in uncommon ways in your classroom. If you can do that. Go ahead, dude. Okay. Our next question is a great one. It's a funny one. It comes from Erica. She says, what's on your shirt? Because I'm thinking a sewing machine. Oh, <laughs> Erica, you're wrong. You're so wrong. <laughs> it's a record. The, oh, this is opposite where I am. Uh, the needle, the center of the record, the uh, little sticky-uppy thing that comes up, and then uh, the threads. The spinny part. Yeah. I love, I, I think... There's so much connection between music and teaching and especially hip hop and teaching that I love the idea. I always have another shirt that has a, a record. Uh, it's someone looking through record crates and it says um, digging through crates or something like that. And I think that that is, I love that metaphor. When I do talks, I talk about this idea of like teaching like a DJ. And one of the ways you teach like a DJ is you're pulling through the internet. You're pulling through other people's lessons, projects, ideas, speeches, and you're just pulling samples and then putting that together into your own conglomeration. Um, where I think of like Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys, which is like an album that had more samples on illegal samples on it than any other album ever. But it is like one song might have the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, ELO, and James Brown on it. And they're all pulled in in these funky little ways, reworked, and then present it to your audience. And I think that that's what teachers are doing all the time. Um, Naomi is asking, do you use MBTI in your classroom and what do you think of it? Uh, it's Meyer Briggs. Do you know that? 
No, oh, yeah. so yeah, Myers Briggs. Um, I don't. Um, I've never used. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess I did give a personality test thing before, but I didn't get the ROI on it that I wanted. Um, and my, it didn't feel like my students were that interested. However, I, was say, I feel like freshmen wouldn't be as interested in that as something like, so it depends on seniors. the kids. Cause well, they're not so introspective yet in that particular way, but yeah. Bilby does it. I have a coworker, uh, my department had actually, she has a psychology class and they do it in there. And then they have more time to get into the science behind it and, and that kind of thing. Um, I took some different personality tests last year that I liked a lot more and I forget what it was called now, which is really good that I'm bringing it up if I can't even remember what the hell it was called. <laughs> um, I am, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'll find out, but then I don't know where I would even uh, put would it. Look for it. Here's what I'll do. Look for it? Uh, it's, it's right in the drawer, but I don't want uh, You want to read the next question? I'll see if I can find it real quick. Sure. Take care. Because someone's going to enjoy it. Somebody else is going, who cares? Just keep going. All right, I'm going to read the next question. Go ahead. It's literally right here. How I'm, do I I'm, have it that quickly? I'm on it. Okay. Um, it's from Emily, and she's asking, how do you keep a straight face when a student says something inappropriate for school, but it's super funny? All right. I have no poker face, and they see right through me. <laughs> Emily, this is, it is like, no matter how inappropriate it is, sometimes kids just say something and it's like the darndest thing it is it is it's just so funny but you know it's wrong or like i've like let me say this this is this is one of those things that someone's going to get pissed off when they hear it the wrong way um yeah this is called the uh 16 personalities test um so i was the protagonist is what i got on it but like that's this is what it looks like 16 personalities oh. But isn't this acronym part of what that is? Or that's oh, you? yeah. Well, that Myers-Briggs has acronyms also. Oh. But, like, that's, you know, that's, that's my jam. Anyway. Um, you got it? So, uh, I, I want, let's go full tilt the other way. I once had two students. I love both of these students. I still keep up with them. I remind them that this happened every single time I see them because they're, like, grown-ass men now. Um, I taught them at my all-boys school. And, uh there was one kid was the super cool um, quarterback of the football team. Everyone liked him. He just walked around with a swagger and unbeknownst to me, uh, cause some kids are just really good at being sneaky bullies was bullying the kid in front of him um, who was a much larger boy, a much quieter into the arts. Um, not a real like stand up for yourself in a, out loud way like didn't take crap from people necessarily but what i found out was the dude sitting behind him the football guy had been like bothering him all year like whispering in his ear stuff about his mom or like teasing him about stuff or who he was or what he looked like or you know whatever it was i, I forget what even the straw that broke the camel's back was but one day a man in the front turns around he says if you say that again i'm gonna smack you in the face so I guess he said it again. The dude turns around, smacks him in the face. And then the whole class stopped. It was like one of those moments of like, what? And I remember Clarence, who got smacked, goes, he says, uh, he goes, Littles, did you just see that? And I was like, I, I guess you, did you deserve it? And he goes, I think I did, but come on. And I was like, well, I don't, 
I don't know what to do now. Like, 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 but I still remind them of like that. He never messed with that dude again. Um, that didn't really fit your point, but I just wanted to tell that story, I guess. So um, when kids do it, I think it's like this. Some things are just funny, right? So much comedy that you hear is inappropriate. Now we can teach, I think it becomes a learning moment where we tell kids this is inappropriate. And sometimes like you just got to dial in. You got to be mindful of where you are and who you're around and what's going on. And this isn't the place for that. The way I talk to my students, not the way I talk to my friends all the time, or when I'm like kidding around with my, with friends and we're at a bar or something like that is different than the way I'm communicating with students. And so it is being mindful of that. And then I just kind of like laugh it off and say, look, you know, we're laughing about this, but my kids got to eat. All right. If you say that someone walks in here, says the wrong thing, hears the wrong thing, experiences the wrong thing. I'm going to get fired. My kids are going to starve. You want me to do that? You want me to live in a tent behind a Chinese food place across the street from my house, eating out of the dumpster? No. So be cool. And so that's what I turn it into. I always turn it into, yo, my kids got to eat. That's why I say all the time. And it, and no one can argue that. Everyone likes my kids. They've been to the school. They know who they are. I'm like, yo, look, Christmas is coming. You want my kids to not have anything for Christmas? And then keep it up. And I think that that, I think I'll, nine times out of 10, alleviating things with, it doesn't even have to mean that you're funny. Even if you do not have a funny bone in your body, it can just be taking a breath not taking it so seriously, handling it, and moving on. The end. Exactly. What you got, buddy? I'm trying to find. Uh, Kate Nolan is asking, how do you walk the line between being silly and warm and keeping control? I lost control during a quiz with my 11th grade boys this last week. All right. So I get this a lot because, I mean, look, you're talking to a guy that, like, literally, like, right next to me, are chopsticks with tiny hands on them and a whole I have a whole thing. Look oh, at this. I, so a whole thing Sorry. of of hands in here. Um and weird crap all over the place. Like uh so it's it, the question I get a lot of times is um how do you regain control of a classroom once you've done something, once it's gone too far. So like we have when we're in school, um we have dance parties all the time and they're always impromptu. It's just like, it's never planned out. It's always like we're doing something, stuff's going on, we're jamming. And I just, I, it's dance party time. So what happens after the dance party, right? You just simply go, all right, gang, look, we got to get back to this, right? That was a great break. I need everyone's attention on me in five, four, three. And then if that doesn't happen, I go, I'm going to do it one more time. Because we need to be able to transition from one thing to another. We need to be able to have fun and go wild. And then you're going wild at the part at the at the uh, the wedding. But when they start cutting the cake, you don't just keep dancing on the dance floor and asking the DJ to turn it up. You gotta be able to switch roles. Here we go, kids. We're turning the page. I find that having that conversation with kids and saying, like, look, the other day, we're having a great time. And then I needed to switch it, things to switch, and it didn't. What the hell's going on? Like, what's what's the problem here? Like, I, like I'm trying to, we're trying to make this the best classroom ever. But like, if the car doesn't, if the brakes don't work on the car, then we're, I'm not driving that car anymore, man. We'll just walk. Like, we'll walk like everybody else does. And that was a weird metaphor to use, but hopefully, you get what I'm saying there. It is having conversations with students, and then knowing that you'll get to that place eventually. 
Um, I find that when I am doing that stuff, I learn that like um, when kids get upset that they think, especially in the beginning of the year, that I'm just fun, that I'm just silly, that this is going to be chilling, that Reynolds doesn't get make everything a big deal. He doesn't get all hype about stuff. I don't have a million rules. That's a real thing, right? Like, I'm really like that. But I will call you out on your stuff. If you, like, there was a whole conversation the other day. What are we doing about kids that plagiarize? You get a zero, bro. The end. You fail. You took someone else's idea, tried to turn it into yours. If you submitted someone else's song, put that album out on the radio, guess what? It gets shut down. Like, you, you can't front like that. And I care. You know, the question that always pops up is, you know, I thought we were cool, though. This is what kids say all the time. I thought we were cool, though. And the fact is, we are. We're so cool, though, that I'm not willing to let out, to let anything get in the way of your success. That's my job is to help you be successful. And so when I'm in doing that, I will do anything, even call you out, even call your mom, even give you a zero. If I think it's going to be what teaches you the lesson that you can grow from and become the best version of yourself that you want to become. Nothing else gets in the way. Kids talk during my quiz. You got a zero immediately. I don't care if someone sneezes and you said, bless you. I don't care if they ask someone for a pen because what I'm trying and, and look and this is like, there's movement here too, right? I'm not like hard and fast. Like I said to Pete earlier, it is, if you talk during my test, it's a zero because it's a slippery slope. One person says something, another person says it, someone starts laughing, someone starts carrying on. Every single one of you now have a zero. If I want to, I can let you retake the quiz. You take it on Wednesday. Like we're in all quiz retakes. Got a zero, own it, take your loss like a boss, and then we're gonna, you can retake it, but there is no talking. Then why? Why is there no talking during the test? Because not everyone can work as quickly as you, and not everyone can work with distractions. You have brothers, and if you're in a co-ed school, and sisters in this class that are having a hard time focusing in. You start laughing. You start carrying on. You start doing something. Now I can't think, and I can't focus because I'm watching everything else that's going on because my ADD is freaking through the roof. We are creating a safe space for everyone to learn. So what your gift is to your brothers and sisters is to be quiet during the test. When you're done, I'm going to give you something else to work on or to draw or to read or whatever. It is your gift to the rest of the class to be cool. And so I think when you break things down for kids like that, it just takes away their excuses and it takes away the nonsense. And they understand that's not do what I told you to do because I told you to. It's, bro, we're working as a community here. Do you want in or what? Like, like that's what I'm trying to figure out. And so that that's where I think we we come from with that stuff. Okay. Short questions, long answers. Sorry, I skipped you, Dayla Classroom. Um, but here we go. Your question. I feel like sometimes there is pressure to just pass kids to lower yeah. DF rates. Yeah. I understand the grace that needs to be given during the pandemic, but generally, where do you draw the line? This is the Ooh, question this year, <laughs> right? Because we want to talk about things like student success. But what does student success mean? Are we learning something or are we passing? One of those, they, they, they have this dichotomy. Like it's like, but what we're ending up with is kids that are just getting passed and not learning anything. I think that it comes, I think when we have those conversations, the conversation we're really having is can we, can you make that stop doing that? Um, oh, no, I, need it. I know, but the vibration shows up on the recording. 
I'm just trying to have a professional atmosphere here. <laughs> and so that's how I'm you handling it. Um, the, the, the real question that we're asking here is, um, or we're trying to make work is, can we take the traditional school model and fit it into the virtual world? We can't. So now we're having to pad grades on the back end instead of saying, hey, look, what if we just did less work? What if we just had micro units? What if we just had mini lessons? What if we just had kids uh, synchronously learning for a much smaller amount of time and then giving them projects and tasks and things to do on their own that they can do when they are comfortable, when the time suits them best, when the, you know not everyone is on the internet at the same time and now I keep glitching because you can't watch the video that we watched in class because you have five people on the internet streaming on their Zoom classes at the same time and now your internet sucks. Like, if we really dialed into what would actually work and help us get through this moment in time, that would be a better conversation. So it's hard to, to do this, to answer this, because some of you are locked into curriculums that, that mandate that you get done a certain amount of stuff. So what I've done in my classroom is taken five-week units and breaking them down to two-week units. Every Monday and Thursday that I see kids, because I only see them two days a week, Monday... Monday, you learn something. Tuesday, we learn something. The next Monday, we review. And then that Thursday, we have an assessment. The end. And it's little mini micro units that keep going. Um, and I learned 40 minutes worth of stuff in an 80-minute period. Because some of my students just take longer. Some kids just work faster. I'm not interested in making kids work 80 minutes just to work 80 minutes. It's such an arbitrary number. But it is um, how do we do that? I think that that's, that's part of the way we, we have to reconfigure what school looks like right now, because the traditional model doesn't fit into this thing. You're trying to take that square peg and jam it into a round hole. And you, you know, you don't care if that kid's the peg and if he's getting all scuffed up, you just want that little bugger in there and you don't care if they get hurt, if it's hard, if it, if, if they're having difficulty, it, it's like, no, how about we figure out a better way to help facilitate the learning? So that's that's where I go with that. What you got, Sorry. dude? Scrolling. I'm supposed to be taking off this question, but where did it go? Oh, there it is. Ta-da. Um, our next question is from Charles Navarro. And he is asking, how would you deal with a student um, who expresses their disdain, dislike, and grievances about one of your fellow teacher or co-workers? Oh, this man is such a good question. Charles, I, I love this question. Um, when kids come in and they talk trash on other teachers, or they just come in and they're like, yo, I hate that class, I hate that teacher, blah, blah, blah. I let them do it. Um, and here's why. I don't know that young people always have the right tools to healthily help like deal with what they're feeling inside in a healthy way. So what we're doing in our classrooms is creating that space to talk about it, to express how you're feeling, to talk to me about it instead of exploding to the teacher, to talk to me about it instead of forcing it inside, to talk to me about it then spreading poison in the hallways and telling everyone else. And then all the other kids don't like that teacher not either. And now that teacher is going to just reap the benefits of, 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 you know, the, the terrible benefits of that, that sort of uh, conversation. What it, what I do not allow 
is someone that j- might drop in my class. Yo, that guy sucks. What do you mean? What happened in class today? Yo, he gave me a zero on my quiz. What? Oh, what? Really? For what? What happened? Um, Because I talked. All I did was ask him if, you know, whatever. But so what's the rule in class? Oh, I can't talk during the quiz. Or you get a zero. But you knew the you knew what the thing was, and then you did it anyway. Like, like accountability is that play into this at all? And then you're helping students either process it to have a conversation about it, to learn from it, and to figure out how to deal with it going forward. So sometimes teachers are fair, and and they were right. Sometimes I don't think they are. Sometimes teachers don't act like adults. Sometimes teachers don't know how to handle stuff. Sometimes teachers scream and cry and freak out and lose their shit in class. That happens sometimes, um, but it is helping students to help navigate those folks as well, to help them navigate the people that have their that have their mind right, as my friend uh, Williams used to say, and folks that don't. It is helping kids to feel heard, feel like someone cares, and help them grow through what is happening. So it's not something that I just shut down and say, don't talk about these people. Um, I do let them know that like, if that's my, if that's someone that I care about, like when kids would come in and be mad at Cho, um, I'd be like, bro, first of all, let's just like cool it. Like, we're not like, you can't like use, uh, you can't curse about someone. You can't like, you know, use certain words to, to describe them. But it's like, first of all, be cool. That's like one of my best friends in the whole world, but I care about you. So I'm going to help you grow through this also. And that's how I deal with it. What you got, buddy? Patrick Healy is next. Um, it's asking, he is asking, have you gotten stern on kids uh, this year? I've been really forgiving, and that's usually that's usually my nature, even in a normal normal year. But I sent a really stern email, basically saying their absences are not fair to themselves or their classmates who show up. And now I'm second guessing it. I've done all my due diligence uh, and I know there's no severe reason besides lack of motivation. We've discussed solutions. We've taken care of actual tech issues at home. I've worked and communicated with parents, um, but there's still a pattern of just not coming to online classes. I missed a lot of classes, a senior in high school, and I don't want them uh, building those bad habits that I fell into. All right, this is such a great question. To um, it's like really good questions today. Um, so Patrick, I think that in short, what you do is fine. Um, it is. It's not so much what we do. Like sometimes you bunt the ball. Sometimes you hit it as hard as you can. Right. It is the aftermath that's the most important thing. It's what are you doing after you do that. So it's not that my I handled things with my wife in a calm way. It's not that I had an argument with my wife. Sometimes both of those are called for. Like sometimes it's like what you need to do because all kids are going to learn different and you have to figure out like, what do they need? Like some kids in school, I raise my voice with quite often um, because I can see at the relationships there. I know who they are. And I know that some kids that have like really like ADHD and they don't take their meds. It lights something up in their brain that is like, is useful to them, right? Without going into all the, the neuroscience of it and stuff, but like it lights this part up in their brain that is actually like a, like almost like a dopamine hit to them. Um, there are other kids that I see the past trauma and I don't even let you know I'm uh, 
that I'm dissatisfied with the way that you're acting. Um, I don't even let you know that I'm upset. Um, I won't talk a certain way to you or ever, ever raise my voice with you because I see who I'm dealing with. And so I had a student recently um, that was handing in assignments by just writing nonsense on each assignment, on each answer, submitting it because then that showed mom that it was submitted and that he didn't just not do it. Um, but he was getting zeros. And now he wants to make all that stuff up um, that I gave very clear lines as to when the retake was for the assessment um, that we took last week it was this Wednesday between 9 and 10 a.m. Because I know no other teachers. I checked with everyone. No one else is doing anything at that time. If you need ahead of time to reschedule that because you have a dentist appointment, you know, you're helping your mom out with something. Just let me know. But like two weeks later, I get hit up and it's like, um, Yo, I couldn't make that assessment because I had a test for somebody else's class. Bro, I know you didn't. I know you had that retake at 1 p.m., not 9 a.m. So, no, you can't. And then my my email was a little bit more angry or aggressive than the normal emails that I send out, right? Because I feel like sometimes when kids try and get over on you, they need to know that your kindness isn't weakness. Now, here's the thing. It is, why are you doing this? This can't be a Chris Brown, Rihanna moment where you punch someone in the eye and you go, because it's, I loved you, girl. It's because I loved you. <laughs> it has to be out of a, a, a deep care for the student that I'm getting frustrated because this is what you're doing. I'm about to call you on your stuff and we're going to have a real conversation about this. This doesn't mean, it, it's not like, like being... I think sometimes having a righteous anger, right, is what fuels great change in students, in staff, in the world, in yourself. But it is, you, you know, it's not you coming on, on unchained. But, like, if you do, like, come off the hook a little bit, then it's about the follow-up with the students. It's about having the conversation, talking to them, explaining to them that maybe you were wrong. Maybe I didn't understand. Like, it is not being afraid to apologize if something, if you need to, but also being, like, let that passion come through and, and let that student know that like, I'm not playing like you, this is important, man. What we're doing here is important because you're important and I'm not going to fail your, your, you or your community that you live in. Um, but by backing down, like, 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 so you, this is the point I got to let's go. Sometimes lions roar. Let's do it. Okay. Our next question is coming from someone who, Posted it on, it's another Patrick. Uh, he posted it, but didn't follow the link to come in. So I'm just going to read his question. I can't put it up on the screen. Okay. Um, he is asking, uh, Patrick is asking, I have a master's degree in media art slash film. I've worked as a teaching assistant for a college, but did not like the atmosphere. I coach tennis at a high school and love the spirit of it all. I'm looking to teach film slash media at a private high school since some don't require a teaching degree. How can I quote unquote, sell myself to create a program that isn't there. Love your videos. Oh man. Didn't Sorrentino do that? I feel like, didn't he, like they have a media program, but I feel like. He invented it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was like what? 10 right. years ago. <laughs> so. All right. Let me, let me unpack this. This is a great question. I love I it so much. Uh, you. Create so schools are about curriculum, right? And private schools might be about being able to offer something that other schools aren't, right? So, like, why is our charter school, private school, Catholic school, um, better than the rest? 
because we have this sort of stuff, right? And so our school, we have our own version of it, right? Our students have to take four years of Latin, right? So that's like four people that took Latin and college and they were like i'll never do anything with this and then they were like damn i found a job um the arts have almost consistently been a very huge part of who our school was that when everybody else in philadelphia is cutting their arts departments we dialed ours up and we've had some of the most amazing plays at our school some of them are student written some of them are retellings of like so even when we did macbeth it was like the dystopian future version of macbeth it was like just and, and like, it was a traveling place. You had to go to all these different sets all over the school. It's like a real experience, man. And, and it was awesome. Um, when I started my, so I teach a class called the history of hip hop uh, that did not exist before then. Right. But we needed new electives and I didn't want to teach like short story writing or poetry or like something like that. I wanted to dial in something that I thought would be engaging to students, um, but would also, here's the, here's the key, take these things that you need to learn, we're going to teach it through this lens, and we're going to create this amazing opportunity for students uh, that's going to excite them, that they're going to be engaged by, that is going to be community building with other people outside of the school, and is going to have this outcome on our school. When we sell things like that, where it's like, look, the school has their own agenda. And when we can make what we're doing about students, about the community, and about the betterment of the school, I think that is the selling point that you want to kind of shoot for. So it is, what would that class look like? Like, so just because we're learning film and we're learning um, editing or we're creating a podcast or we are, uh, you know, do, like morning announcements, it is, how can we, do, how does this benefit your school? I'll tell you how this benefits your school. It benefits your school because morning announcements, if you had awesome morning announcements that were videos, it's teaching kids, they have to be on time. They have to show up. They have to write scripts. They have to collect news. They have to organize that, that material. They have to be able to learn all these different systems to be able to make this work. That if we're using a green screen, it's not just cool or fun or weird, but it is training kids to like pay attention, to pay attention to detail. Um, in creating a podcast, what if we're doing a podcast with the people in, in the neighborhood? It's like the Sesame Street song. Like we are the people in your, these are the people in your neighborhood. What if we are bringing in community members, creating connections with our own community and having students um, learn from those folks in real world ways that we're connecting to other lessons, right? So we're not just talking about World War II, but we're finding someone in the community that fought in World War II. They come in, talk to us about their experience. They put on the podcast and then it's used in class. Like you are finding ways to amplify um, what is already being done in the school and then also create opportunities and, and pathways for students that didn't exist before. And so that is what you're trying to do is, is, is that. And I think, you know, it's hard to argue when it's, it is not just, this is a cool thing that would look good for your school, or this was a, this would be something that I want to do. It's, this is what you guys need this. Like, this is going to be the best. Like, give me a shot, give me a year to do it and watch. I'm about to crush it. Kids are going to love it. Cause what kid doesn't want a YouTube channel? That's like 90% of students in the world want to be YouTubers, but they don't know how to use it. Market. Yeah. It's like people think that YouTube is really easy. Have YouTube a school is, YouTube channel. It's so hard. It's so much where we work do than we skits ever imagined. And we do news every week and we 
um, it's like every school should have a YouTube channel because what's happening also, uh, last thing, I mean, I could go on and on about this. You can't get into schools. Like I'm, I always look at my kid's school. That's, you know, two blocks away. Way. <laughs> it is at the school to show up. You got to buzz it. And look, I get it, man. It's, it's, it's well, every school is there. different. Ours was literally like a prison. It you felt like. Buzz in. <laughs> you go into a little room. There's not even a, a speaker room. in the window. You got to talk through the little slot at the bottom. Then they buzz you into another little room. But then I can't go to my kid's classroom to drop off his lunch. I can't even engage with a human being in any kind of face-to-face -face way. And what I think YouTube does is provides a window as to what's going on in school, what your student looks like, the things that are, that are happening for parents to check out. Who doesn't want that? It's, it's a win-win for everyone. So, yeah, I could, I could talk about that one forever. I get too, because I don't, it's like selling it to a school is like, if you have to sell it, it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, it shouldn't I, be I would, easy. It's I would start easy creating sell. content. Like, it should be I'd a no-brainer. Like, Yo, let me get permission from the tennis kids. We're going to start creating content. And then um, I'm going to be like, yo, look at this video we made. Look at the stuff that we're doing. Yo, look, you know, slow-mos of kids playing tennis and practicing and going to games. It's like, bam, like, you know, that looks amazing. Okay, our next question is coming from Emily, um, fifth-year teacher here. And I have and I have a class last hour, several IEPs, and a group of gregarious bros. <laughs> I cannot find a groove. The class is not cohesive, not in a good place, and I feel like I've lost. Admin has a has uh, quote unquote sat in for me, and their advice slash help was quote unquote Wow, you have a rowdy group of boys. <laughs> I am not a hard ass, but I need to protect the learning environment and and my students with ADHD. Oh, so she side note she says she has ELA and ADHD. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Any second thirds of the class are failing as a result. All right. So two thirds. Sorry. Um, this is a, a much bigger answer than what I could possibly provide here, but I'm going to give you some of my answer anyway. I've had those classes oh, where wait, just to clarify, cause I think I read this wrong yep. and she, she's not saying she has ADHD for students, for yeah. students. With ADHD. Uh, well, sorry, my bad. My I class, it was both. It was like, <laughs> I have ADHD and you have ADHD. We're all have ADHD, you know, ADHD for everyone. Um, but I've had, I've taught these classes where I've won and I've taught these classes where I haven't won. Um, I've had these classes where things were difficult and, and I just like, you know, my hair was brown in the beginning of the year and then it turned gray. Uh, and I've had these classes where it a hundred percent won. So let's go there. Let's go with it a hundred percent won. Um, cause when it didn't win, there were too many things stacked against me that like, like, so for instance, when I started in West Philly, they gave me a group of seniors. They put the basketball team and the football team in the same class. These kids had had a million different teachers in the four years they were in high school because our school has such wild turnover and no one knew me. And they put me in a basement room with no windows with 33 kids that were all super bros and alpha males. And it was like, bro, how the hell am I supposed to win in this situation? And I didn't. I like scraped by that year. But it was also my first year in the school. Now, um, I've had those classes where it's a nightmare every day. I just name it. Yo, so first of all, uh, there's, I mean, there's so many different ways that you could do this, but it, it, is, it basically comes down to intentional relationship building with every single student. 
it comes down to calling kids on it and being hard and fast with your justice when you need to be. It is so like not not it, it's not about being like a hard ass. It's about being confident in what I think and what I know is right and then doing it because sometimes putting a kid out of class, right? I'm not about, I'm not interested in kicking kids out of class to just kick them out of class or so that they're not a problem for you anymore or to give them to somebody else. No, 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 no. I'm about kicking kids out of class. Sometimes you can't get it together. And I've already asked you three times. Now you're, you're on the border of either ruining this for everyone else or for um, like, like injuring someone because you keep stabbing that kid with the pencil and it's going to start a fight. But here's what you need to do. You're not in trouble. You just step outside for a moment. And then addressing the rest of the kids in the class. Yo, like, can we just take a look? Can we just know what's, what's going on here? Right. We know this is a, we know what kind of class we're in. We know what everyone thinks. We know that we have a class where the administration has to come sit in. Right. This is like, I'm not interested in, uh, in being, you know, the leader of the rodeo here. I'm not, I'm not interested in like, you know, herding you guys together, but because guess what for you, right. I don't, I don't know why we're doing what we're doing, but it is, but do we want, what do we want this year to look like? Like, can we win? Because everybody else is already expecting you're going to fail. Everybody else is already expecting that you're going to do anything, right? You're in other people's classes and then the bar for success is set so drastically low. What if this was the one class every day that was awesome? What if every day you came in and I promise you, we do something that is engaging because regular school sucks. And I'd be acting like this too, if I had to sit into a regular class, but what happens if we can make it not suck, but that's going to take some communication between all of us because I'm not about to go full tilt and go 11 on something. And then you guys are coming in and acting like threes. It's just not going to happen. So I need to know that if I'm going to go, if I'm going to bring speakers in, you're not going to make me look like a fool because I'm not about to look like a fool for you. Um, that if we're going to go out of the classroom, I can trust you. Um, and you're not going to like go hide. You're going to cut. You're going to leave. You're going to do something silly. You're going to make me, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And I think letting kids know that like one, I just want this to be great. That's my whole thing, right? If they don't want it to be great, that's fine. Like if they want just work, and worksheets and quizzes, it's like, dude, we can do it, we can do it. But I'm not, I'm just not interested in it. Like I'm I'm interested in going full tilt. I'm interested in helping you to be everything you want to be in this life, man. Um, and then I think slowly but surely building relationships with with each student, and that can look like in the hallway, it can look like after class, before class, it can look like during class, it can look like at lunch, and even groups. So you take your bros and it's like, yo, you got it, yo, we got it we're just being clowns every day. Like, like, can we just talk about the, the fact that you're being a clown every day? Like I'm over here trying to kill it. Like you see me, you see my effort, you see what I'm coming in trying to do. You see this classroom, see we're trying to, how we're trying to win. And then you're going to act like that. Like, bro, not on my time. Like we, we need to figure this out. Here's the bottom line. All kids want to win. All kids want to be successful. I think there's two things that stop them from that. I mean, and this is oversimplification. One is that the, the classic school environment was not created for them. They've needed something different. No one's ever done it fully and that now they're losing. The other thing is I think some kids are literally either embarrassed or terrified to win. 
And when you're in it, we're dealing with someone like that, it is instilling in them, having them realize the, that they are important, that their thoughts are important, their, their ideas are important, same thing as their thoughts, um, that they're, what they think and feel is important, and then getting them to know why they're doing what they're doing, right? Kids that want to be in the Air Force, but they're failing senior year. Bro, you're not going in the air. You're not becoming an engineer. What are you even talking about? This is part of that game. Get them to understand what they want to do, why they want to do it in their heart, and then helping them build the ladder of success to get there. Because then you see that that high school is not just nothing. It's actually it's a level. And if you don't pass this level, you don't get to go on to all the things you want to do and dream about in your life. Um, and, may, and that's not completely true. I mean, you could get your GED, you could go back to school and all that stuff, but it's going to take longer. I'm trying to expedite the process here, bro. So it's having those sorts of conversations with kids that you're really real about. And then remembering that they're kids and remembering that it's still going to be crappy some days and remembering that you're still going to have to keep doing this and growing them. You are planting seeds. Um, and some of those seeds grow quickly and some of them don't. Um, and then just the last thing is just always remembering that you can never, ever, 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 as Adam Welcome says, give up on a kid. Um, I think I think that that's, that's the mini version. That's a long answer, but that's the mini version of how, how you handle some of that stuff. Okay, our last question uh, is coming from Margaret. I think she intended also to come in and ask it live, but... Uh, yeah, probably. Well, I just, I don't think people realize like the first link is to get to the form which we need because then that puts it into like a master your question yeah. into a master all the information we need goes into a master form like uh and then you get the link to come in live i don't know where the misstep is but and maybe people can't oh. wait around i don't know but anyway so margaret's question is i'm sorry that's um happening. i'm about to start a master's program in curriculum and instruction and i've been reading a lot of teacher blogs and listening to teachers on youtube i see a lot of negativity about pay and about the financial aspect of being a teacher if i'm a single person without any kids is is a teaching career unrealistic so you know that's such a this is such an important question because look i mean Teachers are underpaid everywhere. And I remember one time, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the number because I know that it, to, to really be true. But that's not even fair because our number is inflated to the cost 100%. of living for where we live. The but, East Coast is very expensive. Yeah, East Coast is very, very expensive. Um, the I made $31,000 my first year that I taught. The summer before, when I was working at Home Depot, um, or the years before I worked at Home Depot as a second job, my whole college career, um, I made more money full time working Home Depot than I did as a teacher. And when that happens, there's there's it's a problem. Now, I remember when I said that years ago, there were teachers in Oklahoma that were like, yo, bro, I wish I could make thirty one thousand dollars. Like, that's not even like that's like a dream for me. Um, and but, you know, and so it, some of that has to do with the cost of living. I just, because we could even say, what if teachers made $100,000 a year? Well, if you live in the Bay Area in San Francisco, $100,000, you're still living with like four, 14 roommates and live, sleeping on like a bunk bed with four bunk beds on top of it. Like it's, it's different everywhere. That's one thing. I think where we start is, what do you feel like you're supposed to be doing? If you feel like teaching is where your heart is and that's where you need to go and that's what you need to do. I just, I just, I don't know another way around that. Like 
it's nice to make more money, but like, I swear I have friends that like, just don't, they're just not happy. They have, they make way more money than I do. Um, they're, they're driving better cars. They can buy anything, anytime they want. They're going out to dinner all the time. They're making house improvements, but they just hate everything. And I just know that I love what I do. I love, I, I literally have a withdrawal from not being able to spend time with students in the summer. I literally like sometimes days off are hard because I just love, like even on bad days, the camaraderie, the talking, the helping a kid out with something, the lighting kids up, like saying something to a kid that like got their, their hair done. And everyone else is like, bro, what's up with your hair? And it's like, no, bro, you are different than everyone else in all the best ways possible. And I just love that about you. And the fact that you even stepped out and got that ridiculous haircut is awesome. Like you, you go get it. And like just those little moments, like the, what's that take 10 seconds to say that to a kid and they just, it fills them up with a fire to be who they are. I, you just can't get around that. Now, the problem with schools is that they have you by the heart, right? That they know that you need to work and they know you'll work for less because you feel connected to the work and you have to do it. And so that's where the, the, the issue comes. And then they play the card of like, but you're not doing it for the kids, like my school this year. But it's for the kids. What You're not willing to do everything you can to help a kid out this year in the middle of a pandemic. So you're not going to do parent meetings on the weekends. No. Um, I think it, I think that comes down to just boundaries. With it things. does. I think it does. that teachers, because they go in as an outsider looking in, I'm not a teacher, but I get to see a lot. I interact with a lot of teachers and read a lot of teacher comments and content. It just seems like teachers go in it mostly for the heart. And then they kind of just have them like, and so not doing it, right? Setting those boundaries feels like not caring. But I think what I would love to see teachers do is like flip that and learn that the boundaries are actually yeah. caring. Because if I don't care for me, I can't care for, for the rest of my students. It literally. Yes. I. The other thing is, I just think that there's other ways. Like, I hate that teachers have to have side hustles. But the, the more I get into this gig, this YouTube thing, which has turned into all kinds of other things. There's just real opportunity for side hustles for, for educators. Well, and I that, hate not that. Everybody wants to do that. But that's hard. It, that's it is. It is hard. hard. On a family. I, look, but, I think the reality is, is teaching you. Ha I don't, you cannot be, and I'm going to state this and just straight. I just think you cannot be. And this is a problem because we have, we don't have a lack of males. Right. But I don't think if you are, a typical household husband, wife, and you want to be, say you want to have your wife stay home or the goal is to have, you know, not have your wife work. That is impossible. If you have two people in a loving family and children, one, and you cannot be the breadwinner of, of the home and no. be a teacher. It just you doesn't can't. work without a salary. You really yeah. can't. So if you're single and you don't have kids and, and, that's not in your future, I think, yeah, go for it. But I just don't think you can be ahead of a household for the income on a teacher salary. Well, it's also work. being mindful of where you teach too. So where I taught in Camden, um, I got a significant raise when I moved to West Philadelphia for the same amount. Of, I actually taught one less class. In Camden, it was mandatory that you teach six classes a day. In Philly, it was only five. And if you taught a six, it was a bonus. Like you got bonus money on top of that. So, and it was a lot, it was like a significant raise. I remember if you taught that sixth class. So, um, 
the bottom line is, is also this teaching in certain schools is like, so when I teach in, in West Philly, right. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that like West Philly is like this. It, it, it is, it is what it is, right. There are people that are coming up under hard circumstances. There is in, there's inequality, there's lack of opportunity. And then kids turn to the streets, right. And the streets turn are, are, are tough and, and they, they, I have students that get hurt. I have students get locked up. I have students that get killed. Um, that is the community. It's an element rather of the community in which I live. It is not the entire community. I work with a lot of single moms that like, I forget what the statistic was, but it was something like 90% of our students don't have a dad that's active in their life. Right. So like, they're not on record. They're not someone that we can call if we need someone it's mom and grandma and mom and grandma are usually working two jobs to keep the lights on. Right. And so that comes with its own challenges, like working in a poor district, like in a title one district means you don't have the funds all the time to do all the things you want to do that. I could go to a school that is 10 minutes away from us. And I've done this. That is unbelievable. It is like, it looks like friggin' Disney world. It's incredible. And that, but I know what I'm getting into. Like I went into this cause this is where I felt called to be. And so sometimes when you are called to be a certain place, you know, you, it is, I try not to complain about those things. I know we don't have money. I don't know. We don't got resources. I know that when the roof leaks, it leaks. I know that like you can't open the windows because sometimes they fall out. Sometimes they fall out of the frame when you open them up. So you can't open that window. I'm not complaining about it. It's the world in which I live. Like I live in a certain neighborhood with a, with a community, with uh you know, the reason we moved here was to be a part of a community. And so like um, we are an intentional community that lives in a, in a pretty rough neighborhood. I don't, you know, as, as much as I'm capable, I try not to complain about that because I moved here. Like I chose this. So I think it's, it is, there is a lot of negativity, but I think a lot of that negativity comes from people that are saying, I wish this was better. I wish this was better. I, I, um, it used to be different. Um, and the game is the game. Like when you play football, you don't complain that you got tackled. Like it's part of the game. You just learn how to navigate the field better, to build a community with the players that you're with, to come up with better strategies so you don't get tackled all the time. It is, I think of it as that sort of game, and so that I'm not crushed by it when it happens because it's it's what happens. Um, it's like, and that's that's with every profession. So I think the short of this is that if you feel called to it, that if you feel like this is what you're supposed to do to be a teacher, then you absolutely 100% go and do it because what's the alternative? You're gonna do something else that you hate, and then. You're just going to wonder if, you know, and if you don't, if you try being a teacher and it doesn't work out, just go do something else. Like, you know, especially if you're single, you know, it's, I, I think it's more doable that way. <laughs> Get a sugar mama. <laughs> That's, That's my answer. <laughs> just kidding. Um, That's it. I was going to make a joke about that, but no. all right. That's it. Um, <laughs> that I'm not your sugar look, mama. <laughs> I cannot say this enough, people. This is so important that we do this, right? Not just that I'm on here talking, but that you show up every week because it is it is being, it is showing up. It is bringing your friends. It is telling people about where they can get connected to find resources, to find answers, to fill up their cup so that the world benefits from the overflow of love, of knowledge, of kindness that you're pouring into yourself that this school year is hard. And if your school's telling you that you're not doing enough, maybe you're not. But my guess is the people that I know are, they're really trying hard to do everything they, they can to 
help students be all that they can be, to help the communities with which in which they're teaching. Um, and you are part of the answer. And how do I know? Because it's friggin' Sunday afternoon and you're on YouTube watching the teacher talk. It, it is like that is it's that important. Um, so thank you for all that you do. You're really amazing. And I don't say that as any sort of understatement. Um, but man, I just, these are the, all the people we meet on here are all the people that I'm like, damn, I wish my kids had these teachers. I wish I worked with these folks. Oh, straight, straight. You know, yeah. it's, it is facts. So thank you so much for all that you do. We'll see you again next week. Um, that's it gang. Peace. Uh, that was, that was supposed to be like such a smooth transition and then it wasn't. Um, oh, sign up for our newsletter too. Uh, you can do that on realrapidreynolds.com. That's it. Now smooth transition.